Welcome to Launch Left, an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast, a label, a launchpad for left of center artists. My name is Rain Phoenix, and today our very special guest is Ben Harper. I'm really looking forward to speaking with him. Please welcome him to the show. But first, don't forget to rate and subscribe, follow us on all socials. And remember, if you want to see this video in all its glory, please go to Patreon and search Launch Left. Have a good day. Hi, Ben Harper. It's nice to have you on the show. Thanks for being on Launch Left. It is great to be on your show. I was just listening to Winter is for Lovers, your instrumental record. Thank you for making it. It's so great. It came out in October of 2020, so I consider that a new record. I'd like to think it's a type of record that would fit nicely on Launch Left. Yes, absolutely. Uh, That's that's Uh, somewhat self-ingratiating, but if I dare say so. No, no, it, it absolutely is. I didn't realize how you grew up in art, music, activism. You were bathed in it. You're young as far as I'm concerned, but the the, the, the remarkable things that you've already done and now launching your own label in 2020, and you're still so young. Tell us a little bit about Mad Bunny. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine about the launch of the label the other day, and he said, he just said, I guess you weren't busy enough. Because I do, he knows me really well, and I do tend to to stay to stay at it. Um, but yeah, I, in in listening to in listening to so much on Launch Left, and by the way, your website. I hope you don't mind if I make it a, a conversation of sorts. I mean, the this launch, what it is. The it's Launch is. Left website is so wonderful. Oh, thanks! It is so user friendly and so all about the music. But to make something so clearly all about the music that subtly and simply reminds me of how difficult it is to do something simple and subtle yet effective. I mean, I love the layout. I love the, the clean cleanliness of it. I love the, the design, the graphics, and uh, bouncing around and learning so much about music that I may not have heard otherwise. Uh, I have a question. Is, is summer... Of relation to you, I I, di- I don't I don't usually do. Yeah, she's my that. baby sister. Your, yeah, is that her on piano? Yes, it is. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow, I was just swept away. Oh, I can't wait to tell her that swept she away. loves your music. She always has. Like oh, she was well, so excited when she heard you were coming her. on. Oh, I'll tell her. That's wonderful. Yeah, I just went digging around, and I I, I, I can't wait to. Uh, to play it for, for everybody. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll let her know. Now I'm like, I wish I would have made her get on this, this uh, podcast episode with me. Sometimes I can bully her into joining. Um, I'll just have to tell her she missed it. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be more. And you know, Rain, it's great that when you say, you know, we, in it, doing it because how passionate we are for it. And I, I've always felt honored, even when I was just a music store, not just a, because that, I don't mean to limit it or minimize it at all. When I was working in a music shop, I always felt so privileged to be around the players and the people who breathe life into our family shop. And I still feel that way about the artists who are on my roster. I feel very fortunate that I have a chance to work with them in, in, the, in that capacity that they've trusted me. And I think they sense in me the same approach. I was just having a conversation the other day where 
it was as a, it's always nice to be paid for what you do, but a true player never passes up the chance to play on a great song. A singer, a real singer never passes up the opportunity to even sing background on a great song, never mind lead or, or a duet. And that's pretty much the approach I think Elizabeth and I take to Mad Bunny Records is that that's how much we love music. We love music too much to walk past an artist whose music moves us. And if you have a good time in the process, I kind of, I, I think either the industry shifted to where, I think hip hop had a lot to do with breaking that mold yeah. because they're famously open-minded about interacting and sitting in with one another. As was when I came up the blues. I mean, there are more blues players that took me under their wing unnecessarily when I didn't deserve it. But you reach an age where you realize what you refuse to sell in your lifetime, your children will. So I want to make I want to make good with that currency while it while it's uh, while it's here. I want to I want to spread that around the best I can. I heard that first artist you released on Mad Bunny Records, Bird Throwers. That record was fantastic. And Thank you so just, much. And you produced Thank that you. one as well, right? Yeah. I did. Tell me more about Mad Bunny Records and how you, obviously we all were in the quarantine, so did that factor in or were you already planning it for 2020 or did it just kind of we were get planning more it. We were planning it already and then it hit and we went ahead anyway, which I right. found a lot of people did, didn't you? I found people just said, you know what, we're, I mean, there are things that were held back, obviously, but a lot of the music that was set to go found a way above ground, myself included. Yeah. I mean, I think people need music no matter what the situation, right? And it's a therapy. And it's therapy. And I find that there is a renewed hunger for uncharted territory musically, unless I'm mistaken. But it seems to me that that might be the case, like a, a, re, a resurgence or, a, or a, a revitalization of, of new and new sounds, new artists. Like maybe there's been a, a generational reset button of some sort. I'd like to think so, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what kind of advice do you have to emerging artists? I, I don't think it's advice as much as to recommend you do it because you have to do it and because you love it, which is why we run labels, which is why we make music. So if it leaves you with no other choice, you have to do it. But that's not necessarily advice as obser as much as observation. You know, there's a cost of admission into this industry. And, you know, you want to make that as painless and not and as digestible, for lack of a better term, as possible. For me, my first label, I, I don't know if I got 10 cents an album or 50 cents, a dollar an album. It wasn't much, but it was enough to get, get through the door. So there is a cost of admission. Don't let that stop you from, from getting in. Don't be taken advantage of, but also know when you have to retreat into getting through a certain door. And sometimes that cost of, of admission will represent itself numerous times throughout one's career, it turns out. Know the difference between good advice, bad advice, and hard advice. Everybody establishes that for themselves, but that's always been important. And um, if you can avoid it, there's a difference, I think, between compromising your vision and exploring an alternative to your vision you might not have seen that can bring it to life in, an, in a more strong in a stronger way. That plays into the advice uh, that that plays into the good advice, uh, hard advice, bad advice principle, but. Aside from the advice you might take, when you do have a vision, there are people that can come along and shapeshift it in a way. And to know who to trust creatively, I think is key. Very few of us are Prince and Stevie Wonder. You know, the rest of us have to take a good amount of suggestion, recommendation, and, and uh, plain old-fashioned help. How did music find you? Music found me at a young age 
through my family's passion and commitment for music and to music. Mm -hmm. So I've been surrounded by music since I was a kid, and it was always first nature to pick up an instrument. Activism, what is your form of activism? The three stages of activism for me are, that's wrong, I have a voice, what can I do to help? We talked about Bird Thrower, but there is a band that is your next release for Mad Bunny Records, is that right? Mm -hmm. And they're called The Kush? The Kush. And that's who you're launching today? Yes. How did you um, come to meet them or even hear of them? I came to hear of them and meet them through my label mate, Elizabeth Freund. She turned me on to them and I heard their first two records and was thoroughly blown away. And even more so after meeting them. And they were shopping shopping a record and I was excited to get to know them. And the more I got to know them, the more the excitement built to... At, at the possibility of having them on Mad Bunny. Uh, yeah, I heard the single that just came out, and I love it, and I'm so happy we get to share it with our listeners. I have one more question before we go further and deeper into that, which is, does releasing other people's music and connecting to emerging artists that you can help give you almost the same excitement as writing a good song? Do you have, it does sure it make does. your heart sing? It sure does. <laughs> Yeah, once you get involved in music to a certain depth, you do have to love it because it takes so much work to write a song, just a song in a lifetime. So then it takes an insurmountable commitment to write 10 of them to make a record. To bring out the best in those songs in the recording process, near impossible. It's such a huge undertaking. And after you've done all that, the work has just begun because it's 10 times more work to promote all of what you've just done than it is to make it. So you have to love it so much. And you have to have that same love that I have for music. I feel I have to have that same love and passion for that process as I do inside the label. And and I do, I am equal. So it's to bring it full circle. Yes, it does fulfill me in a very similar way. How about you? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I asked as I was... Uh... That's how I feel about it. I I really love supporting other artists and, you know, producing and and trying to figure out how they can really shine and how I can help them shine and who I can connect them with. And, you know, as much as I've always been an artist and was born into music and love to sing and, and write songs, it's it's definitely a passion of mine. An equal passion is is helping to lift up the voices of emerging artists that maybe don't get the chances I've had or, um, you know, it just feels so good to be able to say, you know what, I can connect you with this person or this thing and make this happen for you. So you get more visibility and that makes my heart sing. All the doors that we open for one another in an artist community are the most important doors that have ever been opened for me, even probably above and beyond the label. Mm -hmm. I remember when Pearl Jam took me out on tour. It was a big risk. It wasn't a, an obvious fit. So much so that in, Sa- in 1996 at Spartan Stadium in San Jose, Pearl Jam had me open. It was a makeup show because they were doing a show in Golden Gate and Ed fell sick. So they had to, it, Neil Young was actually opening that show for them. Neil Young ended up doing the entire night. And this was a makeup show, so people were were hungry to be there for that reason, aside from it being their favorite band, Pearl Jam. And we got the opening slot. They brought us on. And I remember the guys 
were on the side of the state. Jeff Ament, the bass player in particular, he and I had become friends through his connection to my music. And Jeff was side stage. And the speaking of costs of admission, the cost of admission and opening for Pearl Jam is the second you walk out on stage, no matter who the opener is, you get the chant, Eddie, 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 Eddie. The band doesn't like that chant because it's a band, it's Pearl Jam. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that right, right away, it's at the ire of, of the band. And I remember looking over and there's Jeff Ament and I see him and he's, and we just keep playing our hearts out. And by the end of the show, 40 minutes later, whatever it was, it had been one of the best shows of, of our lives. And when I came off, Jeff gave me a huge hug and we had a big laugh because he said, man, I was about to come out there and take your mic and tell them, you know, give them what for. And I was just glad he didn't have to do that. <laughs> but it was a huge door. I mean, Pearl Jam's fan base gravitated towards the music that myself and my band, The Innocent Criminals, made. I mean, in real time, I've always only had bands open up my shows or share the stage with me that I love and am that and, and am passionate about and I like to go out and announce the show, announce my openers, you know, before the show, me or one of the band members like to announce them and bring them up and do the right thing. And a long-winded way of saying that um, artists supporting artists now more than ever is critical. I've always thought it was a great thing. Art activism, helping other artists, like all of that. I feel like when we do that intentionally and more often, there's got to be something about that energy that begins to change a little bit of the habit that we have. I love that. I love, you know, you know and, and by the way, from where, from where I sit along those lines of breaking that sort of the, 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 uh, the competition addiction, so to speak, I love where I'm at because you're opening a door for me today. I'm, I am not beyond the need of having a door ajar and brought about so by another I mean, you know, I, there are doors I, you know, there are doors I can't open. There are doors I've never been able to open in my career. So I love being in a position where I'm able to help open certain doors for artists. Yet I still need certain doors open for me. Not that I like needing to have doors open for me, because I'm a door. I like opening my own doors, but mm-hmm. I'm not beyond reproach in that regard and needing to have it, needing that break, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Still. Because if I had, if I was the guy that had sold a hundred million records, I might actually think I deserved to sell a hundred million records, and then I'd be even more impossible than I already am now. So I, I, I do like the position of helping and needing to be helped. It, mm. it kind of keeps me on my toes, keeps me humble. Because when you do get, when I, when you do get the opportunity to talk to someone as wonderful as yourself, not trying to be the, the over, over, you know, overly the charmer or any of that. That's not my thing. But you, what you do and what you're doing is incredible. And I feel like this is a Grammy. When I'm up on stage accepting, accepting a Grammy, it doesn't feel a whole lot different than having a wonderful conversation with someone I feel fortunate to talk to. It doesn't feel a whole lot different than getting to uh, write a song and have it sung back to me from five feet away from Solomon Burke. You know, it doesn't feel different winning a Grammy than it does being in the studio with Toots Hibbert. That, those are all Grammys. Grammys are coming from every direction. So to not get caught up in the ones that you have to compete for Feels really good. Well, I think this is a great chance to bring on your launched artist, The Kush, for you to get a chance to talk to them and me to get to meet them. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. Welcome to to the show. You too. Thanks for having us. Love your song. Your single, it just came out the 29th of January. 
It's yes. February 2nd today, and we're so happy to be able to talk about your brand new single, Haters. What was the impetus in, in writing that song? It was one of those songs that kind of like sometimes if I get a good melody, it'll come in my head like right after the alarm clock goes off or something, I wake up and I have a little melody. I'm like, what is that? Surely that's got to be something else. And so first I listen to a lot of my favorite music to make sure I'm not ripping something else off. And then it's a matter of plugging it, plugging in the words with the melody. And that took a long time, really. The lyric of the chorus, the hook, you know, we don't have the time. Can you yeah. finish that for me? What is you that and I, like? we don't have the time for the games that the haters play. We don't have time for the things that the haters say. So yeah. powerful. We're in the age of the hater. Yeah. yeah, it's it's contagious too, you know? So sometimes people don't even realize they're getting swept up in hate until it's too late. Or, you Turn know, maybe they can turn it around. Yeah, and uh, really it just ended up to me being the like um, a love song to Gabby, really, that, you know, all this time we just keep the blinders on, do our own thing, mm -hmm. don't listen to any opinions, but just we got our own thing going and keep on trucking. doesn't really matter what they say. Okay. I was going to ask, I probably know the answer to this question, so why ask it? But I, I love, I'm fascinated with, with this question right now. And I can ask uh, everyone here, does, are you a, it takes a long time to write a song? Are we, are we long song people or do we just write it and it happens quick? What's, what's your norm or is there a norm? Uh, for me, both. Okay. Some songs just come out and done. And then other songs, it's, you know, it could be three months or, a year in the making. Okay. Same. Yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I wonder, awesome. I wonder if, if there were a clock that were kept, what the average length of time, of, if we took all of our, each, each one of our <laughs> of songs, <laughs> what the average time would be to write each one, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like in the case of a song like Haters, that really was years. You know what I mean? Where it's just yeah. sitting on the shelf. Yes. On your brain shelf? Yes, yeah. for a couple of years. <laughs> and, you know, shelf. you'd always, like, keep trying to find the angle. But every once in a while, you get those that you know just... Oh, it's good. And you keep coming back, and it keeps rebuffing you. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no. And I, I know. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know that it's just not what it is. You haven't shared it with anybody else, but it hasn't turned you on yet, you know? Mm -hmm. So. There's a, I love the story, and you can look it up online if, if at all interested. Who wouldn't be interested, really? But who anyone who writes songs. But there's that famous story of Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen meeting for the first time. And Bob asked Leonard how long it took him to write Hallelujah. And it was they met on a Leonard Cohen session, and everyone in the room were Leonard's close crew, and they knew how long it took him. Mm -hmm. And he responded to Bob, oh, just a couple years. <laughs> and everyone in the room, got, because it took him like five or six years to write Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. And everyone in the room. And so it became like the famous moment as to why he didn't want to tell Bob. I would have thought it took five minutes. Sometimes I feel like the best songs yes. are the ones that just get beamed to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, that's mm -hmm. the next thing. And then Leonard asked Bob, well, how long did it take you to like write Blowing in the Wind or something? Bob said 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. That was right. his response. Or something. Right. <laughs> 
that's always amazing when it happens because it's it's like the song takes hold of you, you know, mm -hmm. and you're completely swept up in the the energy of um, of getting it out. It, it, it's so so it's it's as much about getting a song done as it is the story you're telling. Sometimes I got I always come back to Paul Simon, but yeah. slip sliding away. You know the nearest destiny. You know the near the nearer. But by the mm -hmm. way, you know the nearer. Like who gets to sing nearer? <laughs> the nearer your destination, the more you're slip sliding away. I know a man. He came from my hometown. He wore his passion for his woman like a thorny crown. He said, Dolores. Of course it's Dolores, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I live in fear. My love for you is so overpowering, I'm afraid that I will disappear. I mean. Wow. I know. He's one of the best, though. I read an interview with him one time. They were talking about writer's block. And he said, usually for him, if you have writer's block, it's because you know what you need to say, but you don't want to put it out there. Fascinating. Wow. Fascinating. I always call writer's block reader's block because chances are if you have writer's block, you're not reading enough. Not to <clears throat> augment Mr. Simon with my own blasphemy, but I'm with, I'm, uh, I get that. Yeah. And then he knows how to keep it really simple too. Just like uh, you got to fill out the firm, form first and then wait in the line. And yeah. I, I mean, every time I hear that song, it cracks me up. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's so simple and to the point and everybody can identify with that. But then he'll what? take a turn on you and go, Mr. and Mrs. Magritte and their dog after the war. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. You really, you're going to just change, shape shift the entire game like that. Uh-huh. Mr. Simon, if you're watching and listening to this episode, please come on Launch Left and share with us a little bit about yeah, your can, poetry, can and your, that's our, your um, life, and your knowledge. You, uh, yeah, your knowledge, your heart. Love to have you on the show. <laughs> Neil Young said, if you think, you stink. <laughs> so, Wow. You too, Neil Young, please. And that right. is a great you know? quote. If you think you stink, it's true. You kind of just and you, and you can tell with some of his songs, it's very stream of consciousness. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's, but that also is very honest. Yeah. If you just let the tape roll and off the top of your head, what comes out sometimes is mm -hmm. like, well, all right, that's a good start. You know, that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite way to write. That's mostly how I write. Sometimes yeah. I take my time, but for the most part, I try to do it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just you know stepping up to the mic, just pushing record, nothing sure of nothing, and just see what mm. comes out. Sometimes yeah. it's so much deeper than if I'd sat there with it, you know. Liberating. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. you're trying to be a poet or something, you know. Right. And it's like right. really just let it flow out. Hey, I'm Ben Harper, and I could not possibly be more excited to launch the single "Haters" by the band The Kush. Their new record is called Riders in the Stardust Gold, and their single is Haters.
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 